Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Runder King Fisk, talk about 60,000 Mayan structures found in Guatemala, another alien megastructure star, and abundant life under the surface of Earth. All this and more on the Paranormal News of the Week with Jay Cousineau for December 15th, 2018. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So I will need. I will leave no incriminating evidence for my wife. <laughs> my self-respect to- appreciates it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I do not want my in-laws to listen to this podcast and say, uh, Carol, we were listening to the uh, pre-show banter between Eric and Jason, and 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 we need we need a talk. <laughs> And I think we need an exercise. How much has Eric told you about his past? <laughs> I got a uh, I got a great discount on Groupon for uh, for exorcisms, so <laughs> <laughs> save a couple of bucks. I think I think that it's like if you're going for an exorcism, I don't think you want to go cheap. <laughs> you know? No, that's not something you want to skimp on. Absolutely well, I suppose not. We can leave the minor demons if it's going to cost that much. I mean, how bad could they be? Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that it was just like, uh, you know how it's like in, in horror films, there's like the, these trends, whereas it's like as soon as The Exorcist came out, there was a slew of of demonic possession movies and then that died and went away and then yeah. for some reason that trend will come back in horror films again yeah like there's this ebb and flow of trends in, in, in horror films as well well it's because because Hollywood is too corporatized now yeah. and it's they're they're killing their own creativity so that's why we end up with basically rehashing of pretty much everything um I am part of a uh, a group that meets bi-weekly that plans out what exactly we're going to do if they ever threaten to remake Casablanca. <laughs> yes, yes. It, I, it will be quiet but violent. <laughs> There's There are some movies you just don't ever, ever want to touch. Yeah, um, I mean, some things are... They work because they are captured in that unique moment in time where you have the right chemistry between the actors and the director and the music and the the time frame in which they were filmed and everything and you just you're never ever going to be able to duplicate that it's never going to happen princess bride is another one you're never going to be able to do the princess redo the princess bride and have it be as good yeah and anyone that threatens to do that i think just should be shot yeah you know quick simple easy death right in the head between the eyes just let me die <laughs> exactly just 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 kill him just kill him oh. this is your punishment for trying to remake something that was already got good you know and the thing is Damn. is that um the movie starring pamela anderson barbed wire is a loose um adaptation of ad- the comic ad- 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 adaptation and and um remake of casablanca um it's actually based off of the comic. No, book. no, the actual movie. The movie yeah, no, itself no, no, is no, a I comic. The, is a com- the, it, it's like no. Seriously, look this up. Have you seen Barbed Wire? No. 
Okay. You know, I've, Believe, I've seen okay. isolated scenes from it that may or may not involve how much clothing Pamela Anderson was oh. wearing at the time. Believe but, me when I tell you this. Because when I, I, I for whatever reason, I, I have no I, I First of all, I have no idea why my dad had to go see this. We, my dad and I saw this in the theater, and it was creepy as let hell. Me, let me repeat something. Yeah. It may or may not have something to do with the amount of clothing Pamela Anderson was wearing at the time. I didn't realize what my father was up to until after the movie. And we were sitting down and we said, so what, what did, what the, so my dad says, first of all, what did you think of that? Or as my dad would say, what the fuck was that? Um, <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I looked at him and I said, it is a cheesy knockoff, soft porn version of Casablanca with some of the roles flipped, reversed, yeah. you know, gender swapping. Whereas yep. Barb Wire played kind of like the Rick Blaine character and this other male actor that I don't even remember. I I, I think I've blotted out a lot of that. And it was just just a bad movie. And not only that. Wasn't Tamora Morrison in there? I don't know. uh, Django Fett, wasn't he in that as well? I don't know. I don't remember. Do we have to do we have to look it up on Internet Movie Database right now? I guess it's we not have worth to. it. It's, it's it not. really is not worth it. <laughs> it it's probably one of the worst movies I have ever seen in the theater. But to this day, nothing nothing takes the place of Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck will remain the worst movie I have ever seen in the theater. Um, I still wake up at night with nightmares of the sex scene in Howard the Duck. <laughs> Leah, no! <laughs> yeah, I just kind of shoot up in bed, breathing heavily, going, no, 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 not the duck. And, I mean, I don't know what the duck they were thinking. That was just, why? why that, that, that whole scene was just foul. Oh. It was really not. Oh, God, it was no. Just... <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just quacks me up. I'm just, it's... <laughs> See, the thing is, like, you had three really good puns, and then you went to the fourth one. You well, know. you know, <laughs> it's early in the morning. My brain's still waking up. <laughs> oh no! Not down with the dark jokes. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh yeah, and the thing is, no. the thing is, is that when it's like I came home late from work one night, and my mother was waiting by the door, and she says, "Where the hell have you been?" And I said, uh, "And I said that Jay let us out early, so I went to go see Howard the Duck." And she could just see the. And just for the record, that was not me. That was right. a different day. Just for the record, my boss Jay at the Via Condotti <laughs> in Brattleboro, Vermont, a saint of a man. Um, and, uh, and so she went and she got a plastic cup and she said, piss in this. I need to make sure you're not on drugs. <laughs> oh my God. I wanted to take my brother to go see it so we can both. So Did you hate him that much. <laughs> I, so I can say, I guarantee you, I, I need somebody to see how awful this is. To see we, if whether or not it really is this bad. Yeah, is is it just me or was it really that bad? Yeah, no. We, my brother and I, went to a midnight showing of um, the Chuck Norris movie Lone Wolf McQuaid. 
Okay. And that was, I was, I think, 18 at the time. And that was when I learned the awesomeness that is the crowd that goes to see midnight movies. Yeah. They're all drunk and or high. Yeah. And just boisterous as hell. Yep. And, you know, there's that scene where they bury Chuck Norris in his Bronco. And he, like, starts up the engine and just hits the gas and, I don't know, afterburner or something. I don't know what the fuck it is. (laughs) And just the truck starts pulling itself out of the ground. And the crowd's going nuts. You go, Chuck! You go! You don't let him do you like that! Fuck him, Chuck! Fuck him up! And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is is the way we should watch movies. (laughs) That the thing is, and what drives me crazy is that with a lot of these midnight showings, they're trying to recapture the magic of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, again, that's something that's a unique place in time. I mean, it's a lot of these these cult classics yeah. of, of movies are just wonderful pieces of theater that really should never have ever been made by human hands and seen by human eyes, but when you see them under the right circumstances excuse me they become no you're fine they become just a phenomenal experience i remember the first time i saw rocky horror picture show it was in northampton massachusetts i forget the name of the theater and they had like a little stage in front and there were people dressed up and acting out all of the scenes as it goes on and there's a part of you that's like all right what is wrong with your life that you've actually memorized this movie to the point where you can perform it in front oh, of a yeah, live yeah. without getting paid? Yeah. Well, and then there's another well, part of you that's just amazed that they're able to actually do that. Yeah. You know, they've they've got the timing down. They've got. I mean, in terms of performance, it's amazing. I admire the hell out of you. Realize what like it is. Yeah. And, and then, but then you know, there's that part of you that actually has self-respect that looks at you. And goes, what the fuck are you? What's <laughs> yeah. wrong with you? I yeah, sweet and, transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. What the fuck drugs were they on? <laughs> Here, pits us a cup. I need to make sure you're not on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, so anyway, I and I, I I'm promising our listeners right now. I'm actually going to set a timer. Do you have your timer, Jay? Do you have a timer? Let me just see here. No, seriously, we are we are actually we Jay and I are literally timing this. I am only giving us five minutes. You said I said five minutes. Said five. I'm actually setting the timer for six. All right, just so we can kind of like okay do your cal- do your calisthenics. And the thing is, is that this is it. This is a developing story. And when people look back in 2018, they're going to say, "What is the biggest news story?" of that year or especially november december um there's no other easy way to say this there was a hearing with the ceo of google in front of congress and i i can you pronounce his name i because i don't i I don't want to so the ceo (laughs) of google had said with a straight face they do not have a bias and that they are not messing with people's search engine results. Yeah. And I, and I I was flabbergasted because I was actually like listening to this on a local NPR station while I was driving around. I didn't actually get to see the whole thing. But the notion that the CEO of Google can actually 
perjure himself in front of Congress and not face any consequences, I think that I mean this is this is troubling. And this is the beginning of the cyberpunk era where the mega corporations control the governments. That's what it boils down to. Because the fact of the matter remains is there are so many whistleblowers at Google, so many engineers coming out and just stating flat out, yes, we absolutely have biased search results. It's programmed in there. We know what they are. We are aware of them and they were put in place on purpose. Yeah. The last count that I had was there was at least, I want to say almost 10 engineers that were flat out just admitting, yeah, yeah. If it's, if it's something that's pro-Trump, we play it down. It's, but it's, if it's something negative Trump, we play it up. It's not it's not just that though and we'll get to the whole no, bit no. about Trump. If you do a Google yeah. search of the word idiot and you click images using the Google search engine, all these pictures of Donald Trump will show up. It's be- but the reason why that is is because of search engine optimization tools that people use whereas is like if you have pictures of let's just say it's like a fedora and you look mm-hmm. up Fedora, you will come up with perhaps maybe images from the Fedora Chronicles because mm-hmm. well, that's what we do. That's what we talk about in search engines. Yeah. You know, it's a it's, it's a massive industry. It's a massive search engine optimization is an actual career right. path people can choose to go on. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that with certain keywords attached to certain images, if you tag an image with the word like Donald Trump with the word idiot. It will show up in your search results eventually if mm-hmm. enough people have, do this. Um, they actually have a term for when they do that. I forget what it is. It's, it's a funny like, term, and it's it, yeah. it, but the they are literally Google bomb. Yeah, it's a it, Google bomb. They act, and he had said in front of Congress they don't have a bias, and there's <clears throat> there's all this evidence out there. It, and, and that's not true. It's it's not true. Now, but here, but here's here's the escape hatch. You can you can be convinced that you don't have a bias, and we talked a lot about this a lot last week. You can mm-hmm. you can have such an ingrained bias, and not even realize that you have a bias because you just think that your choices are natural. But no, mm-hmm. and everybody has a bias, Jay. Everybody yeah. Oh, yeah. has a bias. We do. We just know we have it, and we yeah. admit it. And it's like I lean conservative in some areas. I lean, learn liberal in other areas, and libertarian, and all the rest. And mm-hmm. it's like if you were to ask me, what would you like to do on Super Bowl Sunday? Would you like to go see the Super Bowl, or would you like to wander around the lost ruins of a Mayan city? For an entire week, I'm going. I'm going to see those Mayan ruins. That's a bias. I'll give you one better. If they said, "I will give you box seats to the Super Bowl," you won't have to worry about parking. We'll fly you in. We'll you'll get the VIP treatment the entire time, or we'll let you go to the local planetarium you've already been to three times. Yeah, I'm still going to the planetarium. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that we dislike people who like football more than us. Correct. Yeah, I have I have a number of very good friends that are huge fans of football. And they'll ask me questions about, oh, did you see the game? Knowing full well what my answer is going to be. Yeah. And it's actually a source of amusement because they'll be talking about the football game and I'll interject into the conversation random things about various movies. Right. <laughs> just, right. You know, but it's I, I don't hate them. I just, I just, it's not something I enjoy. So, 
but I one of the things but one of the things I think is very important for us to remember here is that and we kind of got a little sidetracked like we always do. We always do. We're we're hitting the 6 minute mark here, dude. Well, okay, but what I will say and this will segue into something else right here. The reason why he's able to say that is because people in Congress are stupid. Congressmen yes. and senators are stupid. They do yes. not know what it is like to be out beyond the Beltway, the Washington, D.C. Beltway. They have no idea how cell phones work. They have no idea that other companies make apps for cell phones like Google and Apple. They have no concept of the fact that, that cell phones come from more than one company. They have no concept of how cell phones work. I don't even think they set up their cell phones for their emails or their accounts or anything like that. I think they, no, have, they, they, they have somebody else do it. They have Russian nationals do it, according to some news reports. <laughs> <laughs> but and but these, the... the that ignorance of technology yeah it's is, scary it, well it's it's scary but it's also endemic in our society there's a lot of people that in my opinion should know better that have no idea when you tell them that like i i work in the cloud yeah and when yeah. i tell people that i work in the cloud it's amazing some of the comments you get oh yeah and some of the questions they ask oh i've always wanted to ask you this and then you know They'll they'll ask stupid things like yeah. how do you store the information in the cloud? And I'm like, it's in a data center, right? And they look at you funny, and it's like you weren't thinking that we actually stored it on little pieces of water that are suspended in the air in dense forms you can see, right? You didn't think it was an actual cloud, and, and then, they always, oh no, 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 <laughs> and you can tell it's like the. You know, and they the, did the, the plausible deniability when they realize they're an idiot. No, no, I no, I no. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> what they you did. and this is one of the reasons why I dislike the term the cloud so much. Yeah, it, they should have found another name for it. Well, the term the cloud was actually um, a way of discussing network topology right. dating back to the 90s yeah and it was just from it makes a lot of sense from the technology standpoint but in the usual parlance of the average everyday schmo you know like you can tell someone anything you want about going to a url and most people kind of have an idea of what you're talking about but then if you ask them if they have an https connection they'll just look at you and blink yeah, they don't understand, and it's not. No. And, and the thing is, that there are some aspects where it's just like, look, all I want to know is if it works. That's all I want. Does it work? That's it. Mm -hmm. No more conversation. No more argument. No debate. Does it work? But when you're right. talking about passing laws associated with how it works or if it works, yeah, that's, my uh, that's one that's of my former CEOs actually was part of a. Um, a committee that was formed in Massachusetts to speak with the governor on and advise the governor on various technology issues so that they would have a clue as to the technology. And my problem with that is the tech, the CEO of the company I was in at the time was not a technologist. He was a salesman who yeah. got promoted to CEO. So he himself did not understand the technology that he was now responsible for explaining to someone. And it just that kind of thing is 
endemic throughout the entire government where they they go to someone they view as an expert simply because of the reputation they have yeah yeah and it doesn't have anything to do with their technical cognizance or competence even they just you know oh well you've got a big name in technology come talk to us exactly you know? and it doesn't work like steve that. jobs was more of a salesman than a technologist he loved the technology right but he was not the guy who came up with the with no. the technology you know, he helped promote it and encouraged it and all that. And he only understood what was explained to him. Right, right. And But these are the people who are passing our laws. These yep. are the people who are saying, you can't do this thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand what this thing is. Trying to explain to people. And I wonder if you and I are going to get into a, a, a friendly, heated discussion about this. <laughs> um, Netscape sued Microsoft for Microsoft bundling Internet Explorer with Win mm -hmm. was it Windows 95 that got them yeah, in it was Win Windows 98 No I, it, they started bundling it with 95 I think the lawsuit came out with 98 Okay And the thing is is like you could go and get your own Netscape browser for free download it off of the internet Mhm mm there's nothing preventing you from Explorer. doing that. Huh? Using Internet Explorer. <laughs> yeah, you can use Internet Explorer to download uh, Netscape. And Janet Reno thought that there was some kind of antitrust thing going on. And with... Um, and, and, the, the, hold on, because you're, you're missing a component of that. Sure. Because the... The point of the lawsuit was not because they were bundling it together. The point of the lawsuit was that they were afraid Microsoft was going to put hooks in the operating system that would prevent other browsers from working. That was the point of the lawsuit. Right, but that um, never happened. It never panned out. That it never happened like that. Right, and the reason why it didn't happen is because Microsoft um, basically allayed their suspicions and was like no 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 it's just you can we're just setting it up so it's a default browser so that if someone who doesn't know what they're doing with computers at least they have something they can use to access right. the internet um and to to microsoft's credit they they have done that i hope they're going to be abandoning edge sometime soon because edge came out and i tried it for a while i always try new browsers right. and it was it was a lot better than Internet Explorer, but that's kind of like saying that, you know, riding a turtle is a lot better than walking. So it was, you know, just, it wasn't, it, it wasn't competitive with Google and with, um, well, what Mozilla eventually turned into, which is um, Firefox. Right. But I don't know. I still play around. I, I'm, Google's turning into an evil empire all own playing around a number of other browsers and unfortunately there's just not that many out there right they're more niche oriented like there's a browser called brave that will eliminate every single pop-up ad however it'll take you five minutes to download a page right because they're shutting down all of the advertising and all of that other kind of stuff and if you don't mind waiting that's fine but the truth of the matter is is when you're used to downloading and opening pages like that, then you go to something that's removing all of these annoying ads and you realize 
you know, I can just ignore the ads my damn self. I don't, <laughs> I can get the page up faster. That's fine. Yeah. You know, there's another one that I've been using Vivaldi, which I enjoy, but it's not all code works well with it. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. And there's, I, last time I checked, there was at least two or three dozen browsers out there that mm -hmm. you could use and yeah. all of them were aimed at particular goals of a browser mm -hmm. of the people that use them so but anyway dude we're going on 10 minutes yeah on so but spend five on. <laughs> i i think the point that i really wanted to make here and make sure that people like this is a this is going to be a developing story and i think that one of the biggest things that is going to happen in 2019 i'll make a prediction right now there are going to be some government antitrust suits filed against google specifically over what's going on with chrome and what's going on with their with the with the search engines and the search engine yeah. results i can almost like, i can almost guarantee it there seems to be a groundswell growing within at least the United States, that people are getting tired of being mined for data. Yeah. You know, um, and people, there's a growing number of people that are concerned with what exactly can be done with it. You know, and I see people talking about shows like, you know, those that old show Numbers, for example, where there was two brothers, one was an FBI agent, the other was a uh, mathematician. Yeah. And this guy had like, you know, 17 doctorates in mathematics because Hollywood. And so the mathematician would be able to extrapolate data using these algorithms and help his brother solve FBI cases. It was a fascinating series right. in, in that regard. But the implications of that with all of the personal data they're mining, right, that they're getting from us, they're saying it's all double blind. We don't know... Not, we yeah. don't know who you are. We don't know any of that. However, they are gathering it, which means you can use specific algorithms to read through that to get at a yeah. single person yeah. and be able to target them. Because how many people in the world, you know, go to, you know, Gmail? Oh, a lot of people. Yeah. Well, how yeah. many people go to Gmail and also go to Netflix? Well, yeah. a lot of people. How many people go to Google and Netflix and watch certain movies? Yeah. Now you're getting fewer and fewer. Then you narrow it down and you say, okay, how many of those people also shop at Best Buy? How many people also watch those movies that shop at Best Buy that buy these products at Best Buy? How many people go also go to Amazon and look at these products? And next thing you know, they've got a profile for you that has everything but your name. Right. And the only reason why they don't have your name is because they don't give a shit. Well, all, you're just a number. You're just a... Yeah. Exactly. You're just... Yeah. It's like everything else about you is more important than the name that you use. Your name, your name is your login username right. in Google. Well, you're not and, Jason and Cousin. Also, yeah. There's also like the the internet handles. Like for example, on um, on Pandora, right? Yeah. You don't have to put your name on Pandora. You just use your gamer handle. Right. Okay. And some okay. people like I, I use a particular name on, on Pandora and I use that name in a lot of other places as well. Yeah. That name actually has the same data that behind it as to, as to who that person is and those, but that yeah. person's interests as my email address that I use my primary email address. Yep. So how much of a step is it for someone to compare 
those two profiles and say this has to be the same person because of all of these um, all of these data points that are coinciding are coinciding too accurately between the two of them for this to be two separate people. Right. So this has to be the same person. So I think that that, that is the most important thing to, to realize is that this people are going to look, go back and they're going to look at the testimony that was given by, by Google CEO in front of Congress. Two things you need to take away from that. He blatantly lied about their bias. And yes. congressmen and women the majority of them have no idea what, what it is that they're talking about. And if they do know what they're talking about, we should be happy and blessed that they have somebody who actually took the time to explain it to them before that committee hearing. But if you don't know the basics about your cell phone, what else don't you know? Well, and people in Congress, to be honest with you, I think don't realize their own ignorance. You know, they, uh, yeah. they have this overinflated sense of their own intelligence and cognizance of the things which they're passing laws on and that is the part that bothers me more than anything else because it's one thing to go out there and say look i'm a lawyer i don't understand the technology i don't know what's going on i'm trying to get all the experts to help explain it to me so that i can understand it so i can do my job to the best of my ability it's another thing to say no i've i know what's going on i understand it no you don't because if you did understand it, then I could ask you what an IP stack is and you wouldn't blink at me. Exactly. You would have an answer. So yeah. you do not understand the technology. And it's okay that you don't understand the technology. Right. I would just rather have you admit you don't understand the technology. Yeah. I, you know, I, no yeah. one's expecting them to be experts in everything. No, not at all. But there yeah. are some things that are like, um, like uh, Bill Clinton nailed George W. George Herbert Walker Bush with this question. How much for a gallon of milk? Right. George Herbert Walker Bush hadn't been to the grocery store since maybe the 1950s. Maybe. Everybody else did everything I, I for him. It. How much was I, I doubt I doubt he'd ever shopped for groceries. Okay. Ever. I th I think I think I'm more generous than you are in this regard. Probably. <laughs> Probably. But I think that he's always had help around the house. He's always had people to take care of this for him. But the question exactly. is, nobody turned it around on Bill Clinton and said, how much for blank? Because the thing is, is that well, obviously hold on. somebody- With Bill Clinton, there's certain things they know he would know the answers to. Yes. And here's the great brace yourself for the joke. Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> Well, I'm just, you know, if, if they wanted to know how much it was for, you know, 45 minutes with the hooker on the street, they, he would be able to answer that accurately. Nine to five if it's in my hometown. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is that, okay, um, Bill, which was the better deal? Your subscription to Playboy, Penthouse, or Hustler? Which was the better deal? Oh, I love, gotta love Hustler, man. He's <laughs> he's he's very pro First Amendment. I just, I just really appreciate that. And it's, it's all for political reasons, of course. Exactly. <laughs> and 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 George Herbert Walker Bush is that now let me tell you Larry Flint Larry Flint he's bad he's bad Saddam Hussein <laughs> not a good person not a good person not a good person Saddam Hussein in the ground in the ground <laughs> um all right but, yes so anyway getting on to more juicy topic Tabitha Starr uh, and Tabitha Starr is not a stripper. Calm down, Jay. Ta ta so we're going to talk about Tabby Starr for a second here. 
and sort of get really sort of deep into the metaphysical here. For people who do not know, Tabby Star, and there is a long number associated with Tabby Star, but the thing is, is that it is the uh, the star that people have been looking at. I think through was it through Kepler? I think through the data from from Kepler. I'm not sure. It could be, but the thing is, is that there's something going on. Whereas the the light dimming from Tabby Star is mm-hmm. very can we say mechanical? It's like it, it just it it very regular. It's very regular. And it's like there's something like it's almost it's it's like the light just like chunk, 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 chunk. And it's all very sort of like mechanical almost. The reading the article, I was reminded of that scene in The Hunt for Red October, the one with Alec Guinness in it. Yeah. Where. I mean, Alec Baldwin. Alec, yeah, okay. Alec Baldwin. Sorry. Okay, yeah, no, Alec no, that's Guinness. all right. Holy shit! Well, stars. I had Star Wars on. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that scene where the the sonar technician is trying to explain to the captain why he believes this strange sound he's hearing is mechanical, and then he speeds it up to ten times speed so you can hear the the, the regular rhythm. Right, it. right, right. And it's basically that same kind of concept that's happening here. Is the Kepler um, Kepler Space Telescope is seeing and measuring the light coming from it and it's happening when they when they evaluate it they realize that it's happening at incredibly regular intervals that you just don't normally see in nature Mm -hmm. so again this is more the way science especially in astronomy or yeah in astronomy they infer information by effects that they see like for example they know whether there's a planet on a star by the fact that the the gravitational pull of that planet as it rotates around the star or revolves around the star rather um pulls it and causes it to move slightly in space as it's you know as it's being pulled by the planet that is sucked in by its own gravity so those kinds of things are or what they use to determine these and there's a pattern to a lot of this but sometimes when they see something it just sticks out as being unnatural yeah that's what they're seeing here as as i understand the the article anyway i have to confess i didn't finish reading it yeah it's tough because you're thrown a lot of information Mm -hmm. a lot of information is just just thrown at you and understanding here is is that when you look, when you're all said and done with the article, and I've read it and I've read it twice, and I'm still trying to figure out. And by the way, this other article that we're linking to, it's actually in the Scientific American. And I like to think that the Scientific American um, tries very hard not to be sensational. But the sensational title means there is something um, really like stop and think for a second here and this is this is the title that really caught my eye but this is back from november 21st uh i don't know why it showed up in my news feed this week but it's important nonetheless from scientific american have astronomers found another another mega alien i'm sorry alien mega structure star scientists now have a second example of a strange stellar phenomenon 
speculatively linked to extraterrestrial intelligence dating back as 2015. So they've held on to this information for... Well, um, I wouldn't say they've held on to it. I would say they've been evaluating it. Okay. You got to remember the UFO, the concept of intelligent life out there is really, especially in the past 10 years, has become not only more mainstream, but more acceptable on the mainstream. Yeah. So back in 2015, it was only three years ago, but it was still out there enough that they're like, do we really want to tell people we've seen this, that, that this is something that we think might actually be out there. Um, so I, I don't think they've been sitting on it necessarily. I think they've been evaluating it and just making sure they've dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's. Yeah. And, you know, and you can't blame them. And that's great. I mean, because the thing is, is that you don't want to be the guy um, who said goes, you know, is standing on your on your desk saying hey we found alien life and it's it's just an it's just it's just inner mod radio hash that the local receiver picked up from the dishwasher um in the commissary on the third floor on the third floor you you don't want to be that person um so uh, that that is that is one of those things where it's like as we are looking out into the stars, we are finding more things that is pointing towards intelligent, possible intelligent life. It's possible well, that it's intelligent and, and life. And not be- only intelligent, but if they built some sort of megastructure, when we talk about megastructure, we're not talking about like you know that old Discovery Channel show where they're like super megastructures, and mostly they talk about Dubai. Yeah. We're talking about megastructures on a literally galactic scale. Right. Where they're talking about a, a something that was built that surrounds an entire solar system. Yeah. Not something like, oh, look, it's a big building on top of this little ball several hundred light years away. This is something that surrounds a solar system yeah. to the point where it's affecting the light from that star reaching us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just when you think about it how how would how would you build that? I mean, I suppose theoretically if we took all of the the metallic ore in every single asteroid in the asteroid belt, yeah. we could conceivably build a very thin metal structure that surrounds maybe going out to Jupiter. Yeah. So Think of the resources that would be required for that, just the resources alone. Then think about the technology, the planning, the engineering that would be involved. So if you're talking an alien megastructure of that size, you're not it's not like, you know, wow, it's just like the the pyramids of Egypt. No. It's several hundreds of thousands of magnitudes more complex than it's yeah. It's you're looking at all of that and you're also looking at a race of beings who have a level of technology that is just right just beyond our grasp i think it's beyond our it's even beyond our science fiction well there's a great novel out there called ring world by larry niven and it is one of those if you are a true classic sci-fi fan i hate the phrase sci-fi but i said it anyway if you were a fan of science fiction it is a fascinating book and um larry niven 
in a very um, intelligent, entertaining way, explains why, yes, it is possible, and it is something that a um, an alien race or any intelligent life could could conceive of and build. The one thing that really sort of gets in everybody's way, it's not the science or the technology, it's the will and the commitment to do it. And yeah. if you're going to do something like that, like you're going to have to like, that's like uh, the GDP of an entire planet <laughs> put to this, like a society of 10 billion people, everybody working together. Well, not only that, but everybody working together, donating the entire GDP to it over the course of several decades. Yes. If not a century or two. But it's something that could be done. Do you have the wherewithal and the commitment to do this? And why would you do this? The only thing mankind has donated that much time and resources to is killing each other. Exactly. That's the and that's the kind of thing. Whereas it's like if everybody, if everybody who had ever lived, including everybody alive now, got together and said, "We're going to build this thing over the last maybe four thousand years. Maybe we could get something like this done." And it's, I mean, we know we know how to put things in orbit. We know how to put things. We know how we know how to reach asteroids and extract. Mm-hmm samples from asteroids and comets and bring them back down to earth now we're just talking about something at a much grander scale and utilizing energy and utilizing material in ways that is just beyond our grasp i think that maybe we could do it maybe within 300 years but the question is would we want to do it here in our solar system or somewhere else who knows well and you know me. I'm I'm a big I'm a big proponent of the power of the human imagination. Yes, you and are. I don't think there's anything outside of the realm of possibility. I mean, to kind of mention briefly one of the other things we're going to discuss. We've we've learned that the Mayan Empire was so much more larger and complex than we ever thought possible yes. because of a new technique that they're using to try and find structures within dense undergrowth. So if you take something like that and then you look at a project like building such a sphere, or what are the technologies? That yeah. All of these things we would have to make these leaps and bounds over in order for us to be able to accomplish such a thing. Those would just be those things that are currently actual um, actual destinations, if you will, on a technology track become just checkmark, checkmark check boxes to that you have to go through in order to get out to building that sphere i mean you we'd first have to be able to regularly mine extraterrestrial objects like asteroids and comets we would have to be able to do that and do it regularly and efficiently and transport it in scheduled amounts and predictably scheduled amounts back and forth we'd have to be able to understand the makeup of those asteroids to know what elements and what materials we're going to be able to get from them mm-hmm. we'd have to be able to have regular space flights that are that are capable of doing that whether it's a manned space flight or an unmanned space flight is really kind of irrelevant it's just how often do we launch things into space nowadays maybe once every other week maybe i don't i mean I, I globally, I think we're doing it maybe once or twice a month. Yeah, yeah, right. 
But now you're talking about a, a few flights a day. Yeah. Almost like a, a, a spaceport that's like an airport. And you're also you're you're also thinking about Jay, like there are there are people who are going to stay in space for most, extended periods of time. They're on a project of that scale, we're talking about people who may spend their entire lives mm-hmm. in space, generations of people living in space. And you know, I forget was it was it Larry Niven or Ben Bova that wrote a book about what a human who had never lived in gravity what they would be like i guarantee you it was both of them i guarantee you that that is something that both of them have tackled probably probably and and this is this is something like you look at modern science fiction writers larry niven ben bova um heinlein these are these are people who had the grounding the scientific grounding to really explore the concept that their imagination came up yeah. with and explain it using understandable terminology from today's technological standpoint well their own contemporary technological standpoint and i look at some of the science fiction of today and it, it doesn't have that same element to it i think the only science fiction writer that's fairly recent anyway would be orson scott card mm-hmm. who has examined it into that depth and had that level of understanding but it's just amazing when you look at things like this and this is if what they they're saying in the scientific american article is actually true and not just a result of some weird space cloud that's out there that is just outside of a realm of experience this is science fiction 30 years ago yeah this is a concept of science fiction from 30 years ago, and we think we may have found evidence of it in place. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's absolutely mind boggling. It's like, it is like we are watching, um, imagine if HBO was actually able to get their hands on Larry Niven's book Ringworld and do a mini series based on what would it be like if we discovered Ringworld today and how how would that change it's like it's it's, it's unfolding on social media and on websites like Scientific American mm-hmm. and it was just like it's really hard to sort of you know point to any one story and say hey this is this is when the world changed and it was like when right. i thought that when we discovered the first and this is back in i think it was 1994 when we had discovered the first extrasolar plant planet i thought oh that's that's when wow this is when everything changes Every, this is when everything changes and to be fair you were not wrong Right. It just wasn't necessarily the world-changing event on a scale that I think you were anticipating. Right. But it was because within the astrophysical community and the astronomical community, that was a very, very important milestone. We have found a planet surrounding another star. And then how many years later, we found a planet surrounding a star that is very Earth-like they, in yeah, size yeah. And, and structure and may even have an atmosphere around it. You know, these are different things that as the technology increases, as we're able to probe deeper into space, whether it's via 
things like Voyager or just using and reading the radio, the electromagnetic spectrum through our radio telescopes. It's amazing the things that we can learn just by looking out there, just by just by peeking and and trying to figure out what it all means and, and all of that. And it, it's gotten to the point where you can have a discussion with pretty much anyone on the street and say, you know, what do you think about intelligent life out somewhere out there in space? And more often than not, you're going to get the response. I think it's likely. Yeah. I Whereas would be, when we uh, were... Yeah. When we were in our, our teens and early 20s, if you said that to somebody, they'd be like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. <laughs> You've been watching too much Star Trek. Um, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I think that this is like there. there's going to come a time. I think that it's like if we keep finding these alien megastructures around other stars, you're going to have to stop and ask yourself, who's building these things? And well, maybe we maybe we should sort of like you know calm down a little bit and be a little quiet and stop sending signals out in space that says, "Hey, here we are." If we if there are civilizations far more advanced than us and they're able to build this stuff, this, these kinds of things, and they're able to do it around different stars, or that's just the natural progression of of intelligent life you just get to the point where you just start building these mega structures around your star well also i think it's important to note that science is even um reevaluating what life is yeah that's another you know? story this is another story i don't know if we do we want to talk about the mayan one or do we want to talk um, about let's this? let's since the segues there and this one is actually taking us to forbes um which is a more accepted website yeah um yeah let's let's go with this so they found they have found mind-boggling amount of life within the crust of the earth yes they there's this um what's the name of it the deep carbon observatory which is not really like uh, you know when even though the name observatory makes you think of you know a um, a telescope looking out yeah. in the space. This is not like there's a building somewhere that's called the Deep Carbon Observatory. This is really a conglomerate of scientists at various places around the globe who have been drilling into the Earth from underneath the the ocean floor and even from the the surface. And yeah. they drilled. I think the deepest they've drilled is over three miles into the continental crust, yep. just to see what's there. Now, the reason why it's called deep carbon is, first of all, the drilling. Second of all, carbon is the one single element that is the biggest indicator of life, at least on the planet Earth. We refer to ourselves as carbon-based life forms mm -hmm. because every life form on Earth requires carbon. Yeah. From yeah. the smallest protoplankton in the sea to the largest creatures to have ever walked on the Earth, we yeah. require carbon for us to live. So what they're doing is they're measuring the amount of carbon that the earth has in it. And they found that there is more carbon under the crust than there is outside of it. Yeah. Which is interesting because we've been under the indicate we've been under the impression scientifically that carbon and the process of of producing using carbon to produce life is something that requires the sun. But here we are, they're finding, what do they call them? Uh, they're like 
prokaryotic groups yeah. of membrane-enclosed nuclei and organelles, including energy mitochondria. These are basically single-celled organisms that exist within the crust of the Earth in places that we previously thought were very antithetical to life. And they're finding them in such numbers and such regularity that they're actually starting to change the paradigm on when they look at these extreme places, not wondering if there's life there, but just wondering what form that life is taking because they're expecting to see life now, which is just fucking amazing. It's terrible. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's amazing and terrifying all at the same time because you realize that if there is life far down deep into the, the Earth's crust and beneath the Earth's crust, maybe, you know, th that means that life is probably out there elsewhere in the solar system alone, just looking at just, the, just in our own solar system. Well, Venus and Mars, I think, both have been tagged as planets that may have a considerable concentration of carbon as well. Yeah. If I remember correctly. So um, not so much Mercury or like Saturn or any of the gas giants, but, but the it's moon's possible. Around. Hell, it's possible that there's microbacterial life on freaking asteroids, for crying out loud. Yeah. It's exciting. We just don't know. Every, every time, every time we keep looking, if we look hard and deep enough, we will, we're we're finding evidence of life, and it was it's just like, and and then you look at it through the other through another perspective. Whereas it's like anywhere, and you know, there if there is simple life where there shouldn't be, like in like you know within just underneath the ice in Antarctica and deep into the crust there's life the further down you go there's life you're going to find life the, 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 the chances of you finding life beneath the surface of mars or you know somewhere in venus where there is an overabundance of um energy for something to to, to live off of like the extremophiles that live near um volcanic vents on you know under you know at the bottom of the ocean we can find life like that there on venus as well probably and then it gets back to okay so if life is so easy to if it's so easy for life to get a foothold in all of these extreme places it's not that hard to imagine that life was able to get a foothold elsewhere you know around older stars or older planets and intelligent life is probably not even, you know, not even um, possible, but probable, or even most likely. Yes, I would even I would even go so far as to say very likely. Yeah, it's I think it's most likely that there is life out there, intelligent life, with you know, and there's probably countless other planets out there with you know their own version of nerdy guys sitting behind microphones <laughs> talking about how. You know, and it was just like, it's just, it's, it's just, it's mind boggling. Whereas it's like, I'm sure that you remember when we were watching TV or going to movies, what would it be like to encounter alien life? 
And it's like it's turning out to be a lot less like E.T. in Close Encounters. And it's more like National Geographic. <laughs> you know? It is. It really is. I mean, and the days of of us being able to engage in something like the concept behind Star Trek of, of going out and exploring the galaxy and, and meeting new life and new civilizations and boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah. That concept every year becomes more of a future promise than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Because yeah. each year we get closer and closer. And then, you know, like a few shows, a couple shows ago, we talked about those NASA scientists that are like, you know, do we have a right to fuck up someone else's planet the way we fucked up our own? And that's an important moral question that does need to be discussed. I think it's a little premature at this point, but it is something that needs to be discussed when we're ready to actually go out and explore other lives. Do we need something like the Prime Directive where we go out there and we just view you know are the ufos that are being reported on the earth examples of some prime directive from another civilization somewhere out there in space that has sent out these probes we don't know yeah you know one thing that on the original series of star trek they actually had a an episode where they had silicon based life yeah forms. yeah because silicon is the closest element to carbon in terms of versatility yeah. and the ability for, for life to be generated from it. What would that be like? How different would those life forms be to us? Yeah. You know, and that's those, I find things like that to be absolutely fascinating. You, we could spend, we could probably spend hours talking. That's another, that's, that's another series that's of shows right there. It really is. I think really that, is. yeah. So, I mean, just the idea that they, they found another one and now that they're talking about it. Um, and, and do we want to touch upon, did we say everything that there is to say about the, about the, the Mayan city that they found using? Um, no, I think we just barely touched the surface on that. Because yeah. that, is, that is fascinating. Um, they have found over 60,000 Maya structures hidden in the Guatemalan jungle. 60,000, I was it 61,480 just in the area that they surveyed. It's a huge number, it's massive. They're talking a population of seven to, to 11 million people with 362 square kilometers of terraces, terraces, or otherwise modified agricultural terrain, and another 952 square kilometers of viable farmland. Plus 106 square kilometers of causeways, i.e. roads between them. And supposedly they did all this without even... Without even trying. Yeah, with, with, without the wheel, without using beasts of burden. I These think are roads that were created just for us to walk. I Just for us to walk from place to place. I, I, I think that it, it, this city is probably going to turn out to be far more sophisticated than we could have possibly have imagined. Well, that's just it. It's not a city. It's multiple cities. They, they surveyed an area of jungle and they found multiple centers of population. So they found multiple cities. Yeah. The Mayan culture, what they're learning is that it's a lot more... It was a lot larger and probably more advanced than what they had previously given it credit for. They've 
mapped a 800 square mile area around to call and they think they've they've got what they're referring to as a megalopolis yeah basically a a city kind of like the new york to boston megaplex it's more like it's more like you know um philadelphia to new york to boston kind of Right. The, the notion of multiple cities being spread out. Yep. Um, and once again, the, the question that really sort of concerns me and really bothers me is, is that what happened to them? What happened to this civilization that caused everybody to abandon? The, like the, the entire mystery behind the Mayans. Mm-hmm. What happened to the Mayans? What made these people just simply up and disappear? and abandon these cities or what caused everybody to die out or did they die out did they just was there something that happened that drove them away from those cities and caused them to disperse throughout the rest of the societies that now exist out there did they somehow regress from this advanced state where they were predicting where they had calendars predicting movements of stars and and technologies where they could build these these wonderful structures and carve straight roads through unforgiving terrain yeah to now the various tribes of the amazon jay where where did those people go where did what happened to that civilization we don't know I no, mean, I, I think that that's a rhetorical question that I think that I, I mean, I don't think it's rhetorical. I think it's a question that I want to know the fucking answer to. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, because if, I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, it's like 20,000 years from now where people are going to say, hey, in this continent that used to be called North America, there's, there's this giant city that spread all, all over this and it, it inhabited this entire island in what was used to be known as New York. What happened to them? Where did they all go? I I, I mean, seriously. And this, well, the, you, read this, you read this story, and it was just like, I mean, how much? 60,000 individual structures at least? Yep. With um, sophisticated roads and farmland, uh, these... And think about it. I mean, with the farmland, you're talking about irrigation. You're talking yeah. about terracing because it's it's the jungle. So obviously the soil is rich, but that still has to be worked. It's not like they just roped off an area and let the jungle grow and just harvested shit. You yeah. know, they actually had farmers doing farming and and all of that. I mean, this is all in order to have that many people, that much of a population. They need food. They yeah. need clothing they need a way to manage their waste they need all of this stuff that they need food and water and, and all of this in order to have that many people means they had to have a way of providing it because you're not going to build something like that over the course of a few years and then say well shit we forgot we had to get rid of our shit so fuck you know that they, they don't do that this these things took decades to build to build up and and get to the point where it was at its height and this is 1200 years ago there's got to be more more to that story that there, there really does well personally i think that their dates are off for the start of the mayan 
I really do. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, and also on our um, metaphysical connection group on uh, uh, Facebook, Facebook. and and I've been tweeting about these things as well on uh, our Twitter handle, at Fedora Chronicle, for the Fedora Chronicles Network. Um, They keep finding these discoveries, and they keep... They keep... They keep pushing back the start of civilization. And the thing is, is that there were some areas in the world where there was thriving cities. And there are other parts of the world where there are human beings who were still living in the Stone Age. And the thing is, is that it's like, it wasn't that everybody kept, you know, everybody was advancing all together at the same time. Relatively speaking, there are some people, there are some groups of people that were developing very quickly, and there are other people who were not developing at all. Yep. And there are some people who, like the Mayans, had this advanced civilization, and it just up and disappeared one day. And we don't know how, we don't know why. And when I say one day, I mean, let's, we don't know how long it took. Over the course of a year, whatever. You know. It could be that yeah. somebody brought home some bat guano from some cave somewhere <laughs> and said, hey, guys, look what I found. It glows in the dark. Everybody <laughs> grab some. And the next day, everybody's dead. Who knows? Who knows what happened? Right. And, and those are those are the questions that really kind of fire the imagination, right? First of all. Those are also the um, questions that should keep you especially up at night. When, <laughs> especially when you look at things that we know about the scientific community. There is a massive battle going on within the archaeological community right now that is trying to push back the accepted date of first America, uh, first intelligent civilizations and elevated civilizations. And there's a lot of people within the community that are like, nope, you Tigers, Euphrates, that's the cradle of civilization. Anything elsewhere in the world that predates it is a fluke. This no. is the yep. this is it, and there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, what about what about these sites that we're seeing in the Indian subcontinent that predate those civilizations that you're so proud of in the Tigers Euphrates? No. What about the Americas, the civilizations in the Americas that seem to, if not predate it, are contemporaries of it? You know, um, there's there's so much out there that. The archaeological community just does not is not prepared to face or is fighting about internally to try and just justify that all of the textbooks are still good. Yeah, is what it boils down to, which is bullshit. Science should be evolving. Science should be something where we're not afraid to say, okay, we thought that ten years ago, but the truth is that was wrong. We've now learned because of A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z that that was wrong and what the truth is is this at least as we understand it yeah. right now and i'm grateful that you know the, my my education growing up was not the best in the world but i had some really good teachers especially in science that were very careful to say as we understand things at this time that was said a lot in a lot of my science classes yeah and the, and what they were basically saying is that this is way, the way we understand it right now. Next year, there may be some sort of breakthrough that comes through that changes everything. We don't know. That's exactly. what science is. Yeah. And that's just, uh, and I love, I love seeing things like this and, yeah. and 
finding out that they are still digging. They're still trying to find out. Well, physically, literally and, and metaphorically digging to find out what was going on on the earth. You know, we know we know more about what happened in Europe than we know about what happened anywhere else in the world. I and think that that's sad. I think that that's a tragedy. I think it's pitiful. I think it's pitiful. And, you know, fuck Europe. So, mm. well, I mean, don't not. You know, I know what you would, meant. That would be diseases. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know what you meant. Yeah. It just it's there's just so much more out there. I mean, you've got India and the Aborigines of Australia are possibly two of the oldest continuous societies on the earth. And how much do we know about? Them? Yeah. You also have that big yeah. banging in the background. Yeah, that's my that's my water pump. I've got to I've basically got to rip all the pipes out of my house. Oh, good times. It's gonna be fucking expensive as hell. So I think I think Jay, I think we've given a lot of people to stay up at night thinking about all these crazy things with um, these scientific discoveries. I think oh, the yeah. entire theme this time is basically civilization is far stranger than we could have possibly have imagined. Indeed. All right. Indeed. And there's a hell of a lot more out there than what we previously thought. All right. Okay, Jay, I'm going to let you go, and um, right. thanks for another awesome show, pal. Thank you, sir. This is a lot of fun. I like All doing right. it. All right. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at the you can be a part of the Metaphysical Connection by subscribing to the Fedora Chronicles Network on Twitter through at Fedora Chronicle. There you will find jazz-era counterculture, vintage threads, lost history, conspiracies, the paranormal, and space news. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com groups The Metaphysical Connection. Both platforms are great ways to join our growing community, connect with other friends of the show, and find out what's coming up in next week's episode. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them, yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. This is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on.